0: Luke 2 verses 1 to 7, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This was the first census that should take place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to his own town to register, so Joseph also went up into the town of Sorry, From the town of Gaz- Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. That was his family tree, so he was, had to go back to Bethlehem. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn. A son, and she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Think about this this is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, prophesied for centuries, and he arrives, God, on earth. There's no room, no room for him. His birth split history into A.D. and B.C. And yet when he came, there was no room for him. Over the last few weeks, we've been having a series called The Questions of Christmas. And the first question was, will I accept my destiny? Thinking about Mary and what God asked of her. The next question was, will I obey obey God? even when it doesn't make sense. And we looked at Joseph, and for him, it really wouldn't have made sense, but he was willing to obey. And today, the question I want us to consider for just a few moments is, will I make room for Jesus? You know, when we think about the story, we can sort of get down on the innkeeper because he, you know, wouldn't make room for Jesus, wouldn't find a place for him, but I think we, we shouldn't be too harsh on him, because I think that in our culture, we do it. We shut Jesus out. You know, in, in classrooms, in public school classrooms, no mention, you are not allowed to tell the story of Jesus. And so therefore, we've shut him out. There's no room for him in our classrooms. Over the past few decades, we've shut him out of Many rooms in our culture, we've shut him out of courtrooms and out of rooms of parliament. People even shut Christmas Christ out of Christmas by putting an X instead of his name. We're basically saying when that happens, time and time again, sorry, no room, no room. So why is it that people don't make room for Jesus? I think first of all, it's because basically they're just not aware of him. You know, in this room, there are TV and radio waves traveling through this room. We can't see them. We can't even really feel them, but they're there. They're real. And if we were to tune into them, we would actually receive a message, a, a picture, something as a result of that. And it's like Jesus, he's everywhere. But people just aren't aware that he's around. They're sort of, they can't tune into him. I mean, even in the Bible, people were with Jesus. Uh, there was, Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus, and his two people that actually knew him were walking with him, but they didn't recognize him. They were unaware that they were talking and walking with Jesus. There, were, there was the woman at the well. And uh, she came to Jesus and she had no idea who she was talking to. She was unaware she was talking to the Son of God. And I think it's the same today. Jesus shows up and people just aren't aware of him. You know, right now, while we're here, there are going to be people celebrating Christmas, opening presents, and, you know, enjoying each other's company, probably in the background. Oh, come all you faithful is playing. Come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. That's going to be going on in the background Yet they're fully unaware that Jesus is actually present. And sometimes, you know, even when we do know him, we get so busy, our minds so crammed full of stuff, that we just haven't got time to think about him and even recognize he's with us, that he's working in our lives for our good. And I think that's another reason why people don't make room for Jesus because basically their lives are already full. They've got everything. The rooms of their their life are, are jam-packed full, so there's absolutely no room to t- put anything more in. You know, I think there's this is a profound truth. Stuff accumulates. Do you agree? I'm really I really am really impressed by people who can just go through and get rid of stuff and they don't keep it and they don't let it accumulate. You know, I'm always worried that I might need this or you know, I've, you know I've, I will keep clothes for 20 years because one day I might fit back into them and you know, so I keep them there just in case and uh, you know well I've got to say I do have a problem with accumulating stuff I think Ian does as well and, uh, you know, you only have to come and see our garage. <laughs> you know, our a gara- our garage is actually meant to house cars, but ours are on the driveway because our garage is full of stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> stuff that one day we need, but it's full of stuff. And garages weren't made for stuff. They were actually made for cars. That's the purpose of a garage, and, you know, our hearts were made for God. They weren't made to be crammed full of stuff. They're actually made to have room for God, for him to fill our lives and to give us everything that we need. And it's not so bad, I guess, that we, we, shut, you know, that we don't allow him in, in the sense we can look at our lives and think, you know, it's going fine. I've got this stuff. It's great. I'm having a good time. But, you know, we're actually... What we're doing is we're missing out. And, and it's sad because we're missing out on the gifts that God wants to give to us. You know, he said every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so he wants to pour into your life incredible gifts, relational gifts, financial gifts, health gifts, career gifts. But you can miss the gifts by having your heart so full that you can't take them in. You know, sometimes we can even go to church and be suffering from the overcrowded heart syndrome. And so even when good things are given here, we're just so busy, our minds are distracted, we're thinking of other things, we're, you know, we're, we're caught up, we're even, you know, what's the next thing? What have I got to do now? And our minds are planning the rest of this day when just for a minute, Jesus is saying, have you got a moment just to receive me, to take me in? Just just let that stuff go for a moment and let me in. Or are our lives so full that we can't even do that? You know, I think we need to simplify our lives. Next year in church, we're going to talk about that a bit. Do what really matters. Not just for now or for five years from now or for 50 years from now, but what matters for eternity. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? You know, Martha was busy trying to get ready for Jesus in the kitchen, getting everything ready. And Mary just went in and sat with Jesus. It's a bit like that with Christmas, isn't it? We're so busy getting ready for Christmas that we can get to it and miss being with Jesus. And Jesus said, dear Martha, you get upset over all these details. But there's really only one thing worth being concerned about and Mary has discovered it. What was the it Mary discovered? She discovered that she needed to spend time to get to know her creator and her saviour. Because at the end of the day, everything else doesn't matter. Your career isn't going to last beyond your lifetime. Your finances aren't going to last beyond your life the only thing that's going to last is your relationship with God. And we can think we really don't need to make room for God. We can get caught up with the innkeepers thinking, well, all the rooms are full. I've made all the money I need to make for this tonight, so sorry, no room. And a lot of people say that my, the hearts of my room are already full. Sorry, no room. I don't need to make room for God because my life is full But there's only one problem with that. You miss the very purpose for which you were created. By keeping him out, you stay disconnected from the one who made you. A disconnected toaster will never serve its purpose. A disconnected heart will never realise the full purpose that God has for us. So let's make room for him. Let's make room to know our creator and saviour. Let's enjoy a life of purpose. He came to give us peace and power in our lives. And if we allow him in, if we make room for him, we will be able to receive all that he has promised for us. You know, when Jesus, when the innkeeper said no room, that didn't stop Jesus being born. My actions of shutting Jesus won't, you know, out of my life, won't stop him from fulfilling his plan in history. And history is his story. When the innkeeper said no room, it didn't hurt God. It just hurt the innkeeper. He missed the biggest blessing of his life. He missed the privilege of housing the birth of the son of God. And the same is true for us. You may say, I'm not going to open my heart to God. Or, oh, look, I'll give him one room. I'll give him the Sunday room. Or I'll give him the Christmas room or the Easter room. But I'm not going to give him my sports room. I'm not going to give him my, my finance room. And I'm not going to give him my family room. I'll keep those for myself. You know, when you do that, you're not going to hurt God. You're just going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the blessing that he has for you we all love testimonies don't we and I'm going to ask Adam to come now and share the innkeeper's testimony as we bring this time to a close and then following this we're going to have an opportunity to partake of communion in a different way it will be brought around to you but this this morning I'm going to give you the opportunity to make room for him Maybe you never have. Maybe you've never actually made room for God in your life. Well, take this this morning. And what it says is that his, the, the Jew symbolizes his blood. He died so that we could be set free. Our sins could be forgiven. And the bread means life. He's going to give you life in all its fullness. And so we identify with that by taking communion and remembering what he did and what it means for us. So for a moment this morning, can you take, make room for him? Maybe for the first time ever. Or maybe he's saying to you this morning, can you make more room for me? So after Adam um, shares this testimony of the innkeeper, Phil's going to come and lead in worship and, and you'll be waited on for communion. Take this time just to make room for Jesus. We've got a few moments on his day. Let's make room for him.
1: The testimony of the innkeeper, or the innkeeper's point of view. It was the busiest season I had ever seen as an innkeeper. A a once-in-a-lifetime business bonanza for me, courtesy of Rome's Caesar Augustus, who demanded everyone return to their town of birth for a census. My inn was booked solid for a month. I could ask any price I wanted, and still it was packed out night after night. I hate the Roman rule over our land. But in this case, Caesar did me a big favour because that month of income has set me up for life. But then that couple showed up. I'd already turned away dozens that night, so I, I didn't think twice about it. How was I to know who that couple was? They looked no different than a dozen other families that I'd already turned away. How was I to know that they were unique? They were special. So I just said, sorry. We're booked. We have no vacancies. There's no room for you. As I said those words to that very young couple I saw, a a worried husband and a young girl about to pop from her pregnancy. I didn't write this. So I thought I would at least, it does get better. So I thought I would at least do them a favor and allow them to sleep with the animals in the stable back out behind the inn. Obviously, I didn't know who it was and I didn't know the importance of that baby that she was carrying. But now and for the rest of eternity and all of history, I'll be known as the guy who said, sorry, no room. I'm the guy who put the saviour of the world out back with the animals. That's my legacy. Here we go. And my name is the Mr. No Room for Jesus guy. (laughs) In fact, that's the only thing anyone ever knows about me including you that I made no room for Jesus so at least let me share with you a few things I've learned from my mistake first Christmas is all about making room for Jesus in your life if you miss that you don't get it you miss the meaning of Christmas you miss the meaning of why Jesus came second beware of busyness I missed Jesus because I was too busy to realize what God was doing right in front of me. I just wasn't paying attention. I was so busy. To be honest, it was an inconvenient time for Jesus to show up. So I just pushed him off in the corner. And now that I think about it, it seems that there was always something, some reason, some distraction, some inconvenience, some other preoccupation to use an excuse to not make room for Jesus. If I had realized that I would have moved somebody out, I would have given him my room. If I could do it all over, I would have given him the whole inn. I think that's what God is asking each of us to do this Christmas, to make room where there's been no room. I miss the knock on my door, but for you, there's still time to receive him. There's still time to look at your life to consider if your rooms are filled with what matters most or just cluttered. You have time to choose Christ over clutter. You still have time to reserve a place for the most important guest of all. When he knocks, you can give him the welcome and the reception that he deserves as your creator and savior and king of kings. And he will knock. You can count on it. You can bet on it. He will knock. Like my inn, your heart was designed for God to live in. He'll definitely knock. In fact, I bet he's knocking right now. Can you hear him? Are you paying attention? Will you open the door? Or will you just be another no room for Jesus guy?